marks the conclusion of our time in the book of Ephesians. Um, we have been studying this great uh, letter um, by the Apostle Paul for six weeks now. Um, and I encourage you all to spend some time, uh, five times this week, 15 minutes a day, in the book of Ephesians, specifically this week in chapter 6. Let me just back up and remind you some of the great things we've studied about how God wanted to adopt you as his son and daughter, and that adoption always costs somebody something. And adoption always saves people out of a, 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 bad, a, a bad present and, and, and a, a likely bad future. We looked at what God has been up to in the world. If you watch the news and you go, what is he up to? What is he doing? Is he not care? We looked at what God's been up to in the world, that giant Greek word, anakophiliosis, thigh, and how God is bringing all things into oneness and completion and unity under Jesus Christ. We've looked at how it's by grace that we're saved, not by works, lest none of us would boast that it's because God has done the work for you that you were invited in to be part of the family of God, though we were once separated. And then we looked at the last half of the book where Paul said, and if these things are all true, then this is how we respond to those truths. This is how we as adopted sons and daughters now live. Today we have a, a there is no better way than to wrap up the book of Ephesians with our old buddy, uh, Broadway actor Stephen Trafton this morning, who is going to make this letter just absolutely come to life for you. If you read chapter 6 this week, you know that Paul said that he was going to be sending a friend to this church in Ephesus, which is us this morning, to the Gentiles. Paul said, my friend Tychicus is going to come and he's going to present to you this letter. Bendham Hills, would you join me in warmly welcoming to the stage Tychicus himself? Thank you so much, Pastor John. Uh, as he mentioned, my name is Tychicus, and I am so ecstatic to be here today. This letter from Paul is huge and awesome and earth-shattering, and I'm, I'm beside myself that I get to share it with you all today. So, Paul sent me this letter to you to, oh my goodness, Irene, is that you? How are you doing? I love what you've done with your hair. When did you do that? Recently? I love, it's a new style, right? Absolutely. Very well. And how's your wrist? I know you heard it a couple years ago. Is it doing all right? Oh, good. And your burly husband, Apollonius. How are you doing, sir? Are you treating her well? She's a, she's a keeper, right? Absolutely. All right. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, I forgot. Thank you so much for recommending that I connect with Cyrus and Sophia in Miletus. As you said, Sophia's an incredible cook. Cook. The fish and chips, unbelievable. They send their love. They wanted to say hi. Oh, it's so good to see you. I'm sorry, everyone. I just saw my friends here, and I just wanted to say, say hello. So um, where was I? Okay. So Paul sent me this letter to Isiodora. You are growing up right before our very eyes. How are you doing? Here, stand up. Stand up and circle around for everyone to see. Look, isn't she just growing up so quickly? What are you, about 16, 17 years old now? Wow, and how's everything going? I know life is challenging as a slave. <laughs> yeah. You doing okay? Is your, is your master here today? Yes. Yes, Pastor John, it's, it's great. Great to see you. I'm glad you, you all have this great community, community here. And uh, who else is here? Um, I, Leonidas, how are you, brother? It's great to see you. <laughs> and oh, Olympia, hi. It's great to see you. 
and Sosthenes. How those knees. Remember that? It was an inside joke. And uh, Phylon, it's great to see you. Oh, I hope you all stick around afterwards. I can't wait to, to catch up with you. And, and there are lots of new faces here that, since the last time I've been here. So it's great to see you. So um, I'm so excited to, to share this letter from Paul for you today. And, uh, you know, when Paul handed me this letter as I, as I was on my way out, he uh, did this. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man, you all know Paul. He, um, oh, my goodness, you all don't know Paul, do you? I mean, you know him by reputation, of course, but has anyone here actually met Paul? Gosh, how do I describe Paul? Oh, I know, I'll tell you a story. Okay, I'll tell you a quick story. So, uh, some of you may remember, um, yeah, Alexander, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, some of you may remember that some time ago, several of us were going around to Gentile churches and, and taking up a collection to take to Jerusalem. Uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters there in Christ, uh, in Jerusalem, had been experiencing severe poverty. And so we were taking up this collection, and you know what, let me just pause there for just one second. And can we just acknowledge how incredible it is to say our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, right? I mean, all of us grew up with such a hostility towards the Jewish people, this hostility ingrained in us since birth. I mean, how many times did we hear somebody say growing up, you know, they are authors of sedition. They follow their own laws, and they don't even put up images of our emperor. I mean, that's not fair. Or what's another one? Um, oh, they don't follow the true gods, the same gods that everyone else follows. Or um, here's a classic one. They believe their God is in control, and yet other nations rule over them. What kind of a God would allow that? It's nonsense. So I just, I just wanted to pause the story and just say it's, it's humbling. To think about the fact that before we became Christians, we shared the same animosity towards the Jewish people. Now, you'd be right to correct me by saying that this hostility is not just one-sided. I mean, many of us have experienced hostility from the circumcision as well. And we've all heard about that wall in their temple. You know, the one that partitions off the Gentiles from the Jewish area with a sign that says, if any Gentiles go further into the inner court, they will be put to death. Talk about a dividing wall of hostility, right? Oh boy, I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, sorry. My journey with Paul. The Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how I got there. I just wanted to pause for a second. So, um, so some of us had uh, been chosen uh, to raise funds, to travel around to the Gentile churches, to meet up with Paul, and to take these funds to Jerusalem. Now, I had met Paul years earlier before. I mean, he was the one who taught me about Jesus and, and inspired me. To, to, to follow the gospel. And so, you know, we kept in touch. But this mission to Jerusalem, this was my first opportunity to spend a significant amount of time with him. Oh, the talks we had. You know, he told me about his desire to go to Rome one day. Rome, I said. Why do you want to go to Rome when Rome is already everywhere around us? Crosses in our city, holding the threat of punishment literally over our heads. The, the constant rhetoric of peace and salvation that Rome has supposedly brought to us as if we're living in some great climactic narrative in which Caesar our Lord, Caesar our Savior has come to power. But, but Paul said, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. And he was determined to go right in the heart of Caesar's city. And I was determined to go with him. I would go to the ends of the earth for this man. Oh boy, how did I even get on that tangent? I'm sorry, when I start talking about Paul, all these stories start popping up. Um, oh, yes, our journey to Jerusalem. As we were on our way, we made a stop in Troas. And that's where things got very interesting. So on the last night, 
at the home of a man named Carpus. Uh, we were all gathered together on the third floor of this house. Now, keep in mind, it was late. Uh, people had been working all day. They were tired. And when Paul speaks about Jesus, how do I say this? When Paul speaks about Jesus, he can really get going. And boy, did he on this night. And in spite of how tired people were, I mean, he was bringing it home. And they were enthralled. He took them through the scriptures, guiding them through Israel's history, because these were Gentiles, and they knew very little about the Jewish story about how God had given Israel the covenants of promise, choosing and separating them from the other nations through the act of circumcision and by obedience to the works of the law he gave them, and how God had given Israel hope by giving these citizens of Israel uh, promises that he would one day pour out his Holy Spirit upon them, that he would forgive their trespasses, that he would establish his kingdom, dwell among them, and raise them from the dead. And some of the people listening said, you know, where do the Gentiles fit into the story? And actually, that's a great question. And to answer that, that would, that would take me on another long tangent, so I'm going to stay on topic. And so then, then speaks passionately about how he had been a persecutor of the followers of Jesus until he saw Jesus face to face, raised from the dead after his crucifixion, confirming that he was the Jewish Messiah and that all of God's promises were being fulfilled in him. Now, at some point, I... I can't remember, but I, I become aware of my surroundings. And, uh, you know, some people are tired. Some people are enthralled. Um, and, and I notice over in the corner this, this boy, Eutychus, uh, is about 11, 12 years old, uh, who's starting to kind of nod off, you know. And he's uh, sitting by the window. And, you know, I didn't even realize at the time he wasn't just sitting by the window. He was actually sitting in the window because the room was so packed full of people. There was nowhere to sit. And all of a sudden, we hear this loud thud. Eutychus had fallen out of the window asleep. And so there was chaos and, and panic and screams and everyone runs outside and, and gathers around to see if he's okay, but it's, it's clear the boy has died. And, and so Paul comes outside and, and he throws himself onto Eutychus and embraces him and we, we see his lifeless body come back to life. And, and Paul says, it's okay, he's alive again. Paul had just been speaking about Jesus' resurrection, and then we witness a resurrection. And then we all go back up into Carpus's house and stay all through the night into the morning listening to Paul speak about Jesus and his incredible calling to the church. So, as you can see, never a dull moment when Paul's around. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you so many stories like this from our times of traveling together, and and you know, now he's there in Rome itself where, where he so much wanted to go and take the gospel and he's in prison on false charges, of course. How he wishes he could have traveled here with me to be with you all. I'm not going to downplay the amount of suffering that he has experienced or is experienced. It has been rough. But he's staying strong and faithful in the Lord, continuing to exalt Christ and, and preach the gospel. I mean, you'll hear that in the letter. But here's the thing that really amazes me. He's there in chains. The conditions are appalling. It's cold and dark, uncomfortable. The stench is horrendous. It's solitary and lonely. I mean, he certainly earned the right to think about himself for a little while, right? Wallow a little in self-pity. Not Paul. Do you want to know what he's doing there in that Roman prison? He's thinking about you. You, all of you, people he's never even met, like, like Irene and Apollonius and Alexander and, and Isiodora. 
And all the brothers and sisters in Asia, in Troas and Smyrna and Colossae, all the churches that were planted by him or were planted by his followers, as in your case, he loves you like he loved that little boy who tumbled out of the window in Troas. And if he could fall on you right now and bring your discouraged hearts back to life, he would do so in a moment. But since he can't be here, he's entrusted this letter to me to carry from church to church like a written embrace, pumping the life of the gospel through the veins of those who were once dead in their sins but who have been made alive in Christ. You all don't know Paul, but he knows what you're dealing with. And believe me, what he doesn't know about Asia, I tell him. And we pray about you all every single day. I mean, he knows how... How confusing it is to live in a world where everyone is telling you different things, who to worship, how to live virtuously, how to find happiness, how to think. I mean, there are so many voices. How do you sort out who to listen to? I myself grew up here in this province, and, and I still remember as a little boy my house being decorated with all sorts of candles and incense and, and places to make offerings and statues of gods and goddesses, and there were so many trips to the, the, the festivals and the temple and prayers that had to be recited in exactly the correct way and drink offerings and animal sacrifices. I mean, you all know the drill. And, and I still remember my, my parents telling me that, that doing these things would secure divine favor from the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms so that our family would be safe and, and successful and that our city would be prosperous and we would be free from war and danger. And, and like many of you, I've, I've left these gods and practices in the past, but I understand and Paul understands how easy it is for worry and fear to creep back in. I mean, how can we be sure that we will be safe and secure now and in the future? And let's not even talk about the philosophers. I mean, actually, let's talk about them. Um, Irene, you were a big fan of Epicurus, weren't you? Now, what was his chief idea about finding happiness? If you can't remember, um, <laughs> here, here's a quote that sums up what he believed. If you can stand up and read this quote and just... Use your loud voice. For the end of all our actions is to be free from pain and fear. And once we have obtained all this, the tempest of our soul is over. Wow, that's deep. So do certain actions to avoid experiencing pain. Yeah? Oh, I think we ruffled a few feathers in here. Leonidas, you were a big fan of Epictetus the Stoic, weren't you? Now, didn't the Stoics object by saying, like, look, you can uh, experience pain whether you do certain things or not, right? Now, what was one of the things that sort of summed up what he believed? Right there. Seek not good from without, seek it from within. Profound. Beautiful. <laughs> and and, and uh, Alexander, you were a big fan of, of uh, Diogenes, right? A cynic, huh? Now, what was one of the things that he said down here at the bottom? He has the most, who is most content with the least. There you go. Try saying that quickly twice. Now, they didn't desire anything at all, right? The cynics don't want any habits, no, no nothing. They, they don't want anything. And I know many of you all were fans of Plato, right? So when I say plate, you say, oh, plate? No. Plate? No. Oh, I loved his quote. Character is simply long habit continued. I mean, look at all of these philosophers. Each one, of you, each one of them telling you the best character-forming practices to, to act prudently in all situations, as, as if they know what true wisdom is. Do these things, think these ways, and you will be wise. You will have the life you dreamed of. Or will you? 
Good grief. There are even teachers inside the church that are confusing people these days. I just spent a week in the Lycus Valley at Colossae, Hierapolis, and Laodicea, and I had to fix this huge mess that was going on there. Some traveling preacher had been going around and telling people that faith is just a private thing between you and God. Refrain from certain practices and you can have these heavenly visions. No need to be in church, no need to be in community. You can have this spiritual ecstasy of the fullness of God in you privately. What could be better than that, this preacher said. But he has no idea what God is doing through the church. I mean, you'll see from Paul, it is way bigger than just you or me. Let's read the letter. Now, you're probably thinking about my comment earlier about how Paul can really get going when he starts talking, and you're probably like, take it because you can really get going. I get it. I'm going to read the letter now. And uh, please don't fall out of the window when I read this to you. If you do, you're on your own, I'm afraid. <laughs> I mean, I can give a pretty good bear hug, but I can't promise a resurrection, okay? <laughs> okay, wait, the letter. <clears throat> Just imagine, Paul, speaking to you from prison. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints, the faithful in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and unblemished in his sight, in love by predestining us to adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace that he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he's lavished on us in all wisdom and insight by revealing to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ toward the administration of the fullness of the times that is to sum up all things in Christ. The things in heaven and the things on earth in whom we too have been claimed as God's own possession. Since we were predestined according to the one purpose of him who accomplishes all things by the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to set our hope on Christ would be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith 
in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him. Since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the incomparable greatness of his power at work toward us who believe as displayed in the exercise of his immense strength which he exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. And God put all things under Christ's feet. And gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. And although you were dead in your sins and transgressions, in which you formerly lived out your lives according to the world's present age, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us lived out our lives in the cravings of our flesh, Indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us. Even though we were dead in our transgressions nevertheless made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship having been created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God planned beforehand so that we may do them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision that is performed on the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were without the Messiah, alienated from the citizenship of Israel, strangers of the covenants of promise, not having any hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups into one and who destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility, when he rendered inoperative in his flesh the law of commandments and decrees, he did this in order to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by which the hostility has been killed. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near, so that through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So you are no longer foreigners and non-citizens, but you're fellow citizens among the saints and fellow members of God's household, 
Because you have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, that by revelation the divine mystery was made known to me, as I wrote briefly before, so that when reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in former generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Namely, that through the gospel, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, of which I became a servant of this gospel according to the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me by the exercise of his power. To me, less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given in order to proclaim to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about God's mysterious plan. A mystery that has been kept hidden for ages in God who has created all things. The purpose of this enlightenment is that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be revealed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access to God through Christ's faithfulness. For this reason, I ask you not to lose heart because of what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the wealth of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the height and depth and length and breadth and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power that is at work within us is able to do far more than we ask or think. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. Bearing with one another. And forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. There is one body and one spirit 
Just as you two were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives, he gave gifts to men. Now, what is the meaning of he ascended except that he also descended to the lower regions, namely the earth? He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all of the heavens in order to fill all things. It was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is to build up the body of Christ so that we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and blown by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each does its part, the body grows in love. So I say this, And insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Because they are callous, they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn about Christ like this. If indeed you heard about him and were taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, you were taught, with reference to your former way of life, to lay aside the old man with his practices, who is being corrupted in accordance with deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man, who has been created in accordance with God in righteousness and holiness that comes from the truth. Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you should speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must steal no longer. Rather, he must labor, doing good with his own hands so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. You must let no unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is beneficial for the one in need, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You must put away all bitterness, anger, rage, malice, and evil, slanderous talk. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other just as God has also forgiven you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love 
Just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But among you, there must not be either sexual immorality, impurity, or greed, which is idolatry. These things are out of character. Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, but rather thanksgiving. For you can be confident of this one thing, that no person who is immoral, impure, or greedy, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you are at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Therefore, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For the things they do in secret are shameful, even to mention. But all things being exposed by the light are made evident, for everything made evident is light. And for this reason, it says, awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Taking advantage of every opportunity, because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for each other in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to sanctify her, by the washing of the water by the word, in order to present the church to himself as glorious, not having a stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and takes care of it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, it says, a man will leave his father and his mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I'm actually speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you must love his own wife as he loves himself and let the wife respect her husband. Children, 
Obey your parents in everything, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, accompanied by a promise that it may go well with you and that you will live a long time on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but rather raise them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in every respect, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. And not like those who only do their work when someone is watching as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Obey with enthusiasm as though serving the Lord and not people. Because you know that each person, whether slave or free, if he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Giving up the use of threats because you know that both you and they have the same master in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand on the evil day and having done everything to stand. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by fitting your feet with a preparation that comes from the gospel of peace, and in all of this by taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And to this end, be alert with all perseverance and requests for all of the saints. And also, pray for me too. That I may be given the message when I begin to speak. That I may confidently make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Tychicus, my dear friend and fellow servant in the Lord, will Make known everything to you so that you may know my circumstances, how I am doing. I sent him to you for this very purpose. Encourage your hearts and that you may know our circumstances. Peace be to the brothers and sisters in Christ. And love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I never quite know what to say after reading one of Paul's letters, so I'll let the text speak for itself. Thank you.
There you have it, the entire book of Ephesians, um, straight from the brilliance of Stephen's mind and memory. Uh, one thing that he did that you might not have caught when he introduced the letter, he framed the letter with what was going on in the world uh, at that time. Um, he framed it from, many of you know the story in the scripture of the, ball, the boy falling out the window while Paul was preaching. That wasn't made up, that's in the Bible, and Paul, Paul resurrected him. Uh, those philosophers, I had the, the chance to see this before, those philosophers that Stephen pointed out that were ruling the day, people like Plato and others, if you go home, you'll see that those philosophers were real. Um, and those philosophies that some of you read were true, and the people of the day believed them. Um, and, and Paul competed, this very real Paul, competed in the world of philosophy for hearts and minds. And that's the brilliance and the power of the word of God, that here we are sitting in a church 2,000 years later, and there are still philosophies and philosophers competing for your heart and for your mind. And that's why the, the, the book of Ephesians, that's why the, the very real words of this very real Paul, this one who once persecuted the church and didn't believe in Jesus, this is why this one who, who came to meet the risen Christ would allow himself to be subject to beatings and harsh imprisonments because he wanted you to know the truth. The truth that God has sent his son to come for you and not to listen to all the wisdom and the words of those that, that surround us in the age we're in, but to know that there is one real God who sent his son for you and who loves you. How great is our God?